You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Michael Swain of Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW show The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com. The man across this enormous studio from me is Michael Swain of Fog.net. Uh, a little bit better Saturday for the Jayhawks and the Wildcats, but still a little scary in Lawrence. It was a little scary, and considering there were a lot of uh, elderly in terms of the 125-year reunion, very good that KU was able to get the win. I'm glad they could be 125 and still make it out of the house. That's pretty cool. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show, on Twitter at the drive 13 and of course answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both GoPowerCat.com and Fog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. And the two-minute drill, this first segment of it, is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, it was a busy weekend in Lawrence with KU's 125-year reunion, but the Jayhawks were able to put distractions aside and get by Iowa State 62-60. to What did you make of this performance from KU? Well, that was a performance of a team that can go on to win the Big 12. Of course, that's the expectation at Kansas, but throughout the course of the season, you have to show it. And I think Saturday's game, the resiliency I think the team showed in terms of deep blows throughout the game, but this was two high-level teams going at it. And I think Iowa State's a team, too, that will be able to compete for the Big 12 title through the end of the season. The teams had give and take. You can look at Iowa State taking 12 more shots than KU, but KU's interior defense holding Iowa State to under 40% shooting. Iowa State entered the game shooting 50% from two-point range. That shows improvement from Kansas compared to the Oklahoma game just a few days prior. For me, I look at the turnovers, and although Dewan Harris didn't score for the first time since the Texas Tech game in the Big 12 tournament last year, he was someone that really controlled the pace of the game. Iowa State went out of their way to make sure that Dewan could not dominate and knock down threes and have space to operate, but Harris did a really good job of making sure Cade did not turn the ball over a ton. Iowa State tends to labor offensively in the half court. How they get a lot of their points is through transition. KU averaged, uh, or they came in and only had 12 turnovers for the contest. Iowa State came in averaging 20 turnovers forced, 30% turnover rate. KU finished with 20%. That's a credit to Dewan Harris. And I think this team as a whole is starting to find its groove. You look at KJ Adams, what he's been able to do out of those high screens, coming on, rolling to the rim with space. He's been immense. He's now scored in double digits for 10 straight games. This is a player going into the season. You didn't know if he was going to be able to score in double digits 10 times all season. And here he is doing that. So for me overall, you look at this game, K 
KU played at a high level, Iowa State played at a high level. Welcome to the Big 12 this season. You're gonna see a lot of really good games like this, and it's gonna come down to who executes down the stretch. And once again this week, it was Kansas. Michael, this week just sums up Big 12 basketball for me. KU gets pushed at home in back-to-back games, yet still proves if you wanna win the Big 12, you wanna get past KU, someone's gotta win in Lawrence. Mm. And it, it's just hard to do. It is hard to do. Yep. Well, Fitz, Kansas State took a 4-0 record to Fort Worth on Saturday and ran into a foggiest TCU team needing a win. Did the Frogs catch the Wildcats looking ahead? There might have been some of that. There's a lot of uh, talk about the KU-K-State game on Tuesday, and we'll talk about that next. But in reality, Michael, I just think TCU was the better team on Saturday. They came out with a really focused game plan. They came out knowing what they wanted to do. They forced K-State into some turnovers. And honestly, K-State just wasn't its normal self. Um, or, you know, maybe this is the normal self and they've been playing above their heads. I don't think that's the case, but we saw Marquise Noel have some turnovers. He had more turnovers and assists, I think, for the first time this season. So that was a rarity. And they just couldn't hit shots. And TCU was the better running team throughout this game. If it was second chance points or uh, points off turnovers or points in the fast break, TCU hammered K-State. It just came down to the simple fact that TCU was the better team on Saturday. But really what I took away from this game is you knew K-State would eventually have a bad night. I mean, everyone does, but for Kansas State, it kind of felt like they were playing uh, at an elite level when they weren't quite ready to be elite every game, and that proved to be true. But what I really took away from this is what Coach Jerome Tang said after the game. We lost and it's just time to move on. And when asked how long it'll take his team to regroup to get ready for Kansas, he said, we're, we're done with this game. We're not even gonna look back. We're already talking about KU. It's, it's time to move on and just flush this one and go. And he took all the responsibility for the poor play on the coaches. He said TCU's coaches did a better job preparing their team than the Kansas State coaches, period, end of story. Well, they're gonna have a game like this once in a while, but they can't afford to do that on Saturday, or excuse me, on Tuesday in Bramlage Coliseum against Kansas. Uh, but I, I will say this, we've learned that um, if you can get through this conference with only two, three, four losses, you're probably good enough to win. And now K-State has its first loss. And interestingly enough, it's been in a brutal stretch of games here against mostly ranked teams. They do get Kansas and then they get Texas Tech and Manhattan and then they go to Iowa State. Come to think of it, every stretch in the Big 12 is brutal. I was going to say, Fitz, every, every single game is a huge challenge. And I think the big thing for me from that game is the interior. Can K-State yeah. stop teams that have an Eddie Lampkin? Now, granted, the team on Tuesday doesn't have one. And I'm sure we'll talk about that here in just a second. Yeah, it was a huge matchup problem in the post. And we'll see if K-State can handle that with other teams. Well, Michael, the Sunflower Showdown. I hate the name. I'm saying it again. <laughs> it's set for Tuesday. What are your early thoughts on this matchup? I'm really excited for it. I think Bramlage Coliseum is going to be rocking, and I'm interested to see how K-State responds. You mentioned that their focus after the game is immediately to Kansas. We talked a lot about K-State's focus and their ability to have confidence. Well, they're going to have to carry that in to Bramlage on Tuesday night. For the matchup itself, I think it's Dewan Harris, Marquise Noel. That is the big matchup I'm going to be watching. KU, when they've gone up against elite guards, have put Dewan Harris on them, and more often than not, they've been able to limit them. This is going to be a big test for Dewan Harris and equally Marquise Noel. 
I look at the wing as well. KU, you look at Kevin McCuller, Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick, some guys that can light you up. And I'm very interested to see how K-State approaches guarding those players because each one can go off and change the momentum of a game. And so I'm very interested to see how K-State tries to attack Kansas. Jerome Tang is a great basketball coach. And so you know they're gonna come with a really good game plan. Just really interested to see what tweaks they make to try and slow KU down. Yeah, it's gonna be very, very interesting to see if uh, KU can give K-State some of the same problems TCU did in the post because an uncharacteristically small post player for for Kansas. So does K-State get back to rim running with their post players, which has been a matchup trouble for the other teams so much this year. They just get up and down the court, they dunk in the open court, and TCU took that away. Can KU take that away on a consistent basis? Well, Bill Self's one of the best coaches in the country. I imagine he'll have a pretty good game plan. And can K-State adjust to what TCU put on the film? Did the Frogs roll out something that the rest of the Big 12 will try to emulate with how to handle K-State's high po high picks at the top of the key. We will see. We'll see if uh, it all translates. But you started off by saying what will be the one thing I know about this game. Bramlage Coliseum, under orders of Jerome Tang, will be absolutely rocking for this game. It should be a fun environment. The students have been off campus. Uh, I can attest to the fact, coming to Topeka tonight, a lot of students are heading back to Manhattan. And it'll be a rocking atmosphere in the Octagon of Doom. Now a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. We did it at our house. Well, Michael, last week's question was, who has been the biggest surprise in the Big 12 through three games? Here are your answers. Baylor was 10%, Iowa State at 19%, and Kansas State at 71%. I'm not sure I agree with that, but I do agree with that. I, I'm surprised it's that big a number. Here's this week's question. How many losses will the Big 12 champions have at the end of the season? A, 1 to 2, B, 3 to 4, C, 5 to 6, D, there will be no champion because it's just too good. That's, that's not one of the answers. Vote on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. All right, well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we'll be right back with more on KU and K-State on the Drive. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. Welcome back as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. This segment of the two-minute drill sponsored by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Michael Grady Dick scored 21 points on Saturday. It's the fourth time he scored 20-plus points this season. Just how good has this freshman been? He's been incredible, and I think you're looking at probably the best freshman season of any Kansas player since Josh Jackson. And Josh Jackson was a top five pick in the NBA. Not saying Grady Dick is going to be that, but he's certainly on his way to being an NBA lottery pick. I think for me, the biggest thing that has stood out is the growth. And I think this week shows exactly that. On Tuesday, Oklahoma face guarded him all game. Made it incredibly hard for him to get even a little bit of a glimmer of daylight and he struggled, understandably so. Throughout the week then, you know Bill Self talked to Grady about getting his ball movement better. Can he move off the ball? Can he get open when he's being face guarded? Well, Iowa State tried that with a very good defender in Gabe Kalsher. And what did Grady Dick do? Well, he went off and scored 21 points, made five threes against one of the better defensive teams in the entire country. And I think these individual moments of growth just show you how good he is as a basketball player. The ability to take coaching throughout the course of a week and then improve on it in the very next game. 
I mean, you look at the season stats, Fitz. He's shooting 48% from three, the best shooter in the Big 12, the fifth best shooter in all of college basketball. And then he's also shooting about 48% from two. He's chipping in with about two assists, over five rebounds, one and a half steals per game. This is a player that is playing like someone that should be a sophomore or a junior. And yet here he is as a freshman. He's not even played 20 college games yet, and he is dominating. I think that stretch in the second half on Saturday where he scores eight straight points in a crucial part of the game where both Iowa State and KU were really trading blows. KU is a team that offensively would not be as good as they are today without Grady Dick. You look at the scoring that he brings, the flurries that he offers as well, and he's becoming more consistent. Early in the season, he'd get most of his points in a few minute stretch. He'd knock down some shots and maybe go quiet for a little bit. Well, on Saturday against Iowa State, he was more consistent. You saw that in the first half with the scoring, and then the second half with that little eight point flurry, in addition to more shots he made down the stretch. I think overall, he's been incredibly impressive in everything you could have asked for from a McDonald's All-American and five-star recruit. We knew he was going to be good coming in, but has he been better than you anticipated? Yes, 100%. He really has been. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It is. Well, Fitz, so far, Kansas State football has had two key players expected to depart for the NFL, elect to return to the team. Is it K-State loading up to make another run to the Big 12 title? Well, it certainly seems that way. The, the two biggest players we expected to go to the NFL did, Deuce Vaughn and Felix Anudike Uzama. Uh, but Cooper Beebe, maybe the best offensive lineman in the Big 12, decided to come back along with the other seniors along that offensive line. They all come back intact. I'm told there might be an NIL deal in the works for the offensive line. No details have been announced at this point. Cooper also wants to play with his brother, who's in the incoming recruiting class. Um, and it's a significant return because he's an NFL caliber lineman now. And then over the weekend, much to my surprise, Daniel Green has decided to use his COVID bonus season and come back as Kansas State's middle linebacker. He was plagued by injuries this year, and quite honestly, he said he didn't play as well as he wanted to. He feels like he's got something to prove. And this was a guy that two seasons ago, after they lost at Texas, we thought he was going to go to the NFL early, and now he's going to stay longer than we expected to prove something. Um, and that is a very, very good news for K-State. On top of that, they've picked up a type flight running back and a nose tackle. The two big needs out of the transfer portal from Florida State and Mississippi State. Details at Go Powercat. It's been very, very impressive what this coaching staff has done. Sure, there's still holes in the lineup, but I got to say this. While Texas Tech might be the sexy pick for voters next year going into the season because Deuce Vaughn is gone, I think Kansas State's offense was more diverse with Will Howard than people really understand. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn was special, but a lot of guys were making plays for this team. And the fact that Will Howard isn't getting more noise as a potential top quarterback, not just in the country, but in the conference, is a little strange because he beat some really good teams with his arm, not just because he had Deuce Vaughn alongside. Now, Deuce is special, but also some of these runs were uh, the guy getting through some really big holes and just making people miss. Other guys can do it. Deuce will be missed. Yes. Felix will be missed. Yes. But there are people ready to step in, unlike what happened at Iowa State this season when they fell apart after playing really high-level football for two years. I think K-State would be right back in the mix next year, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, and Fitz, the biggest thing you said there was uh, NIL. Right. Yeah. That's how you keep your, your fringe NFL players coming back. I mean, there are plenty of college football teams that are taking advantage of it. And I think college football as a brand, as a product, is going to benefit because the good players are going to stay in college when they're fringe uh, NFL potential. Uh, you know, I'm shocked by Daniel Green after the game. It really sounded like he was going to go, but mm -hmm. he's opted to come back. 
And now we step out of bounds, and Out of Bounds is brought to you by Dara's Corner Market. We love local, and we're local for you. All right, Fitz, well, new Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark said he expected the 2023 football schedule to be released in mid-December. Well, here we are in mid-January and still no schedule. Fitz, what gives? He's a liar. That's it. Uh, look, a lot of things are going on behind the scenes. They did have a schedule ready to be released in mid-December, and then I'm told there were some problems with it. And I think the problems were teams weren't playing the teams they should be playing. They you know, kind of put it into the computer and you randomly drew teams. Well, I think the administrator said, hold on, the old Big 8 teams need to be playing Oklahoma before they leave, and the old Southwest Conference teams need to be playing Texas, and that wasn't true. That's what I heard in round one. And then all of a sudden, Oklahoma and Texas are talking about maybe departing, not after two years when their contract is technically up, but after one year. And there's even been talk that maybe they'd go out of the conference after this season. That seems impossible, particularly since the SEC has already put their schedules out, but I think Oklahoma and Texas will be in the conference next season, but now they got to come up with a one-year schedule for 14 schools, and it just is kind of awkward, and we're still waiting. It is hard, and you think about the leverage too, right? Texas and Oklahoma, I have heard as well, that they maybe weren't too happy about the schedule that they got. So what? They're going to use that leverage to try and get a new schedule, and the Big 12 can say, no, nah, we're good with what we had, and maybe they'll give a little bit of leeway but I'm fascinated to see what it looks like because like you said 14 teams how in the world is this going to work well I, I floated this idea at gopowercat.com on one of my daily deliveries if Oklahoma and Texas continue to kind of push back go ahead and schedule them but make them as independents playing big toll schedules almost like Notre Dame does in the ACC enough of this you don't have the votes to run the conference and you're leaving sit down and shut up now let's hear from the fans, and our fan question is sponsored by Medlark. Retirement awaits in Manhattan where you can live your way every day, and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to move in. Michael, what's our fan question this week? Well, the Jayhawks appeared in a way too early top 25 projection last week. Should the Jayhawks have even been on there? And this is from Maddie and Lawrence. I have plenty of opinions about way too early top 25 polls, and I think that these that. are completely worthless. As for Kansas' place on any of them over the next few months, I think the offense deserves to be in the top 25, but <laughs> that defense still has so many question marks. Lonnie Phelps has gone to the NFL. Can they replace that production? I think they've improved along the defensive line at defensive tackle, but it's still unproven players at the Power 5 level. So for me, I look at this team offensively, yes, it is probably one of the top 25 units in the country. Defensively, they were outside the top 100 this year. Can they improve? I, let me show you how many of these voters come up with these early top 25s. KU, hey, hey, good quarterback. I watched him in the bowl game, 24. Yes. You know, that's really, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's all very silly. Well, all right, well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. Well, it's time to head down the home stretch of this week's show, and now let's take a look at our predictions. Predictions are brought to you by Kites and Kites Aggieville Draft House, meeting your friends at Kites and the Draft House since 1954. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at The Drive 13. Here are last week's results. The viewers continue to prove that they are very intelligent. 
I did that also in a subtle way, and Michael uh, came in last. Nope. Nope. This didn't go well. It, he can't be perfect all the time. It's just not how it works. Here's this week's picks. You got to get this one in early, Michael. We got to remember to put this up. I will. K-State versus KU, Tuesday night at the Octagon of Doom. We've got KU as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, it's going to be a rocking environment. Do the Jayhawks escape with a two-point win or more? This strikes me as a game that I think Kansas will win by two, but I think probably <laughs> K-State might return the favor later on. Yeah, it's, this is going to be great. I will take K-State. I think it's going to be a brilliant game that comes down to the stretch. Yeah, and K-State gets back-to-back home games. Then they host Texas Tech on Saturday, and they're favored by five and a half points. I'm going to take Texas Tech. They're due for a big road win here, and I think there might be a little bit of a letdown spot for K-State. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. This, this is the first time K-State hasn't played in the state of Texas during the season a week. It's kind of weird. Uh, I will take K-State. Five and a half is awful big, but six or more, I think K-State will get that done. Here's our last game of the week, and we're back to KU and that TCU team that just put a scare into K-State and knocked them all over the place. KU's a five-and-a-half-point favorite in Lawrence. Boy, what do you got? This game's tough. I'm going to take KU. I think this is a close game that maybe down the stretch they're able to carve out a seven-point lead. I think KU wins. It's Allen Fieldhouse but, or whatever it's at, but I will take TCU on that spread. Again, make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. We will remember to put those picks up so you can do so. Uh, now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock, sponsored by Carpet One by Local for a strong local community. We're going to start off with Mr. Michael Swain of Fog.net. Well, Fitz, I'd like to talk about officiating because I think every single time a Big 12 game is played, it is a topic of discussion. I think Kansas in particular and Allen Fieldhouse are often talked about. David Hess, a, someone that does a lot of college basketball analytics, put out a really interesting stat where Kansas averages four fewer fouls at home than versus on the road. You think that sounds big, and then you look at actually it's seventh best in the conference and 25th best in the country. So what that tells me is, hey, the Big 12, there's a huge discrepancy between home teams and road teams. And I think you'll see that bear out over the course of the season. And this study that he did dates back 60 games. So not a small sample size here. And so I think for fans, the ones that are at home, you're going to get some calls. The fans that are on the road, you're not going to get some calls. That's college basketball. Let's deal with it. Yeah. yeah. TCU had eight fouls in the entire game and played really aggressive defense, but that's not why K-State lost. Let's talk a little NFL here, and not the Chiefs. They were off because they have the number one seed, but how about Skylar Thompson starting for the Miami Dolphins after their top two quarterbacks go down, and Skylar took the Dolphins to the edge of victory but couldn't quite get it done against the Buffalo Bills. What's remarkable about this is out of all the great quarterbacks that have played at K-State since Bill Snyder arrived, Skylar being the last of his quarterbacks that are around and, and playing, Skyler's the first Bill Snyder quarterback to play in the NFL playoffs because so many of the guys didn't fit the NFL mold of quarterbacks from back in the day. Michael Bishop and Old Roberson might fit the NFL now, but they didn't then. Only, you ready for this, Lynn Dickey and Steve Grogan, a couple old school guys who had previously played as starting quarterbacks in the playoffs that came from K-State. That's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media, and I'll be good. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.